Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Five minutes after 5 o'clock now on a Monday morning. It looks like the warmer weather we saw over the weekend is now do- nothing but a distant memory. How are you doing, everybody? Fabulous Farm Babe Pam Yonke. Glad to be along with you. Yeah, today it could be kind of hit and miss as far as transportation is concerned. We've got a rain-snow mix that's possible with 42 as our expected high for today. But it's going to stay sloppy, that is for sure. Cooling down tomorrow, 37 are expected high with about a 30% chance of flurries. Wednesday, 34 and another chance of flurries. And Thursday, 34, just a sliver of a chance of flurries. Boy, I'll tell you, this is not the way I wanted to start off my November. How about you? Talking weather with Stu Ag Meteorologist, that's up in about 15 minutes. Also up before 6 o'clock, I want to say congratulations to the University of Wisconsin School of Veterinary Medicine. They have secured all of the funding they need to go through a major renovation of their facilities on campus, providing not only excellent care for animals that are around the Madison area, but for care around the state when it comes to large animals as well as our companion animals. Uh, Today, to kind of cap off a celebration of uh, success, we are going to catch up with Josh Scramlin, who visited with one of the UW School Veterinary Medicine doctors that has a very unique take on things. Instead of worrying about cows and horses and pigs, he's focused in on elephants, rhinoceros, and the like. What is that like? You think about taking care of cows, how is it different in the zoo setting? That is going to cap off our UW School of Veterinary Medicine conversations before 6. Your local FS is member-owned, and that means when you buy our flagship brands like FS Envision and FS High Soy, you're actually buying seed from yourself. And you wouldn't sell yourself anything but the best, would you? In field after field, FS brands are out-yielding the competition. Talk to your local FS crop specialist about Envision corn or high soy soybean seed today. At harvest, you'll be glad you did. Envision and high soy are available exclusively at your local FS member company. In farming, getting things done early has a way of setting you up for success. Like using Corvus for an early season win over weeds. Corvus keeps even the toughest weeds from gaining a foothold. Multiple sites of action deliver superior control of emerged weeds. And later, Corvus reactivates with just a half inch of rain to take out any new weeds that may have sprouted. So get an early season win against weeds with Corvus for end of season rewards. Always read and follow label instructions. Corvus is a restricted use pesticide. This is Reba McClone from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, and there have been a lot of things swirling around about ways to help in the dairy industry via innovation or new programs. And one of the things that combines those two is the Dairy Innovation Hub, and that's going to involve all three universities. And Scott, you guys up there were able to find out more about what the universities are going to be doing. That's right, Reba. Three agriculture colleges in the UW system, UW River Falls, UW 
Madison and UW-Platteville are part of that new Wisconsin Dairy Innovation Hub. This is Scott Schultz on the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. The Wisconsin legislature has approved $8.8 million for that innovation hub in the current biennial budget. And Bob Bosold recently uh, spoke about the project with Dr. Dale Gallenberg, who's the dean of the UW River Falls College of Agriculture, Food, and Environmental Sciences. He asked how it'll all work and how it will be sustained. The, the, the concept behind this is an investment uh, in the three universities to help address some of the issues that the Wisconsin dairy industry is going through. So um, Innovation Hub, uh, that, that word says, uh, or those words uh, say a couple things. One, innovation. So a major emphasis of the hub is going to be research and development. So investments in new research, uh, new research projects at the uh, three campuses. Hub emphasizes that, that it's a group. So there will be collaboration among the three institutions uh, across and within outside with with industry so um, the focal points are really uh, investment in new discoveries uh, new new information and doing that in a collaborative manner now we have kind of a blank canvas for doing this so it's going to be kind of uh, put up by the by the three colleges how is the responsibility being broken down between the three campuses, both uh, for what you do individually and, and what you do as a hub, three campuses together. So the, the structures that we proposed uh, to date, there will be an executive committee, which will essentially be the three deans uh, from the colleges at Madison, Platteville, and River Falls. Uh, the budget for the hub calls for a hub director, so there'll be a, a faculty member at Madison uh, who will be the hub director, um, providing support uh, to two activities, uh, uh, a coordination within the hub, as well as a direct link to the executive committee. Beyond that, we're forming an advisory committee, which will be largely equally represented between the three campuses, so university individuals, along with industry partners who will provide advice. Uh, the, the function of the advisory committee is to help provide the oversight, the direction to ensure that the hub funds are directed in the right manner and being spent in the right places. As far as the money just being within the past few weeks allocated, how far are we along as far as working together or coming up with some of the innovative things that the universities and the research people here at the campuses are going to be working on as far as topics and things like that? So so there's a, a couple parts to that uh, question, Bob. Uh, in anticipation of funding, the three campuses have been having regular uh, phone conference calls and other conversations on moving forward. Uh, the legislature approved uh, funding initially for the current biennium split um, of the 8.8 million, 1 million in the first year, and then starting in year two, uh, 7.8 million across the three campuses that will be ongoing. Uh, to a certain extent, having the lower amount up front assists us in getting things started, getting it off the ground without having to fully implement until year two 
and beyond. So there are several, actually four focal areas within the hub. Uh, the campuses have had conversations about how they're going to deploy funds broadly as well as within those four fund or uh, four focal points in terms of uh, faculty hires, uh, teaching emphasis, research emphasis, uh, renovations, equipment, and so on. Brick and mortar, this money is not for new brick and mortar, is it? It is not for new brick and mortar, but uh, we, we all plan to use the word renovation in terms of description of ongoing uh, activities on campus. And by that, we mean uh, renovation of a laboratory in terms of upgrades to equipment um, out at the lab farm, uh, for example, at, uh, at River Falls, uh, uh, creating structures within the, the uh, uh, cattle housing uh, area that will allow us to do research, uh, move uh, groups of animals around, and so on. So we are not building buildings, but within the laboratories, within the farm structures, we have certainly some attention to equipment and other means to enhance the research that we're doing. And, of course, you have to have some of this stuff done before you can actually do the research, and then you alluded to it, faculty hires and staff hires. Is it going to be equal to all three campuses, or... Does each campus uh, have an idea of what you're going to need? So, so the basic uh, uh, structure of the hub funding is the $7.8 million ongoing will be split, 52% going to UW-Madison, and then the remaining 48% split equally, 24% each to uh, Platteville and River Falls. Now, the, the two budgets for River Falls and, and Platteville look very similar, as you might guess. Uh, Madison, it looks much, the simil much similar as well, but, but obviously on a, a greater scope. All campuses plan to make some additional faculty hires, so new positions. Uh, we'll also support research in other ways through investments in current faculty. Uh, teaching an academic program is understood to be a, a component of this as, as well, along with purchases of equipment, uh, renovations of space, uh, hiring some additional uh, support staff at each campus as well. It sounds like then for the for the undergraduates, it'll be an opportunity for expanded class opportunities or uh, classroom activities at uh, all three campuses? That, that will be the case. Certainly the, the, uh, the undergraduate mission at uh, Platteville and River Falls might be looked at differently than at Madison, but, but all three campuses will be, be enhancing undergraduate uh, uh, academic experience, to, to be sure. As you might guess, a, an increased focus on graduate students and graduate programming at Madison, the, the research that will flow through uh, graduate assistantships and, and whatnot. But part of the emphasis in the hub in terms of solving problems in the dairy industry is keeping the pipeline of talent full. And to do that, both a focus on undergraduate uh, education, graduate education, in addition to the, to the research and development that will come out of the hub. 
And those questions will be answered by the three universities in Wisconsin that have colleges of agriculture, River Falls, Madison, and Platteville. Dean Dale Gallenberg at the College of Agriculture and Environmental Sciences at River Falls explaining the initial startup of the UW Dairy Innovation Hub. I'm Bob Bosold. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Looking for future leaders we can trust and believe in? Look no further than the high school student-athletes right here in Wisconsin. High school sports teach young people how to be effective leaders. It begins by making their grades and being on time for practice. It includes learning to listen, following directions, accepting responsibility, being a good role model. And it's about respect for officials, opponents, the rules, and each other. The result? It transcends sports. It gives us hope for the future. High school sports. There's so much more than just a game. This message presented by the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association and the Wisconsin Athletic Directors Association. After the problems this year, no one has to be reminded of how cruel nature can be. I'm Shannon Latham. Come drought, hail, or high water, if you plant the minimum product required, you're fully protected by Latham Seeds Replant Program. 75 bags of Latham brand corn or a 36-bag increase gets you 100% replant. And 200 units of Latham soybeans treated with Soy Shield Plus earns the same. Let's hope not, but just in case, go to LathamSeeds.com or call 877-GO-LATHAM. TDS Fiber, the future of internet, TV, and phone service, is expanding to more communities. Register now at tdsfiber.com slash radio. Enjoy internet speeds up to 1 gig at your home or business. That's 10 times faster than 100 meg from cable. Plus, change the way you watch TV with our whole home DVR. Can't get that with cable. Powerful internet, premium services. Go to tdsfiber.com slash radio to register, learn about bonus offers, and more. TDS Fiber available in certain areas. See website for details. Chickens, sheep, and cows, oh my. It's time for the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. All righty, 519. Now on a Monday morning, it does not look like we are going to warm up all that much this week. So if there's snow out there this morning, chances are it's going to stick around. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us live via Skype. So, buddy, I took a look at some of Wisconsin's winter trivia statistics. I figure if we're going to start with snow this early, maybe we want to go for some records, huh? Um, then I started seeing the numbers. Deepest snow on record for Wisconsin back in 1933, 83 inches. That's about seven feet that was in the Lambeau Reservoir in northern Wisconsin. So I don't think they want to repeat that. And the heaviest snow in 24 hours happened around Nielsville. They got 26 inches of snow that fell in 24 hours, but that was back in 1904. So some of those records are pretty old. I guess I really don't want to take a run at breaking them. I likewise would like to surprise some of the records if we could only warm up, but it doesn't look like that's in the cards. How does that old saying go, Pam? Let those old records lie or sleeping dogs, whatever the case. Oh, we're not going to change any big records here from what I can tell. Unfortunately, you know, we're not melting a whole lot of snow, but we did pretty good yesterday. Temperatures today still not all that bad, but some light precipitation lingering around. Sprinkles, maybe a stray 
nice snowflake or two yet for a time this morning. Oh, not going to amount to a big deal, but a chance still lingering. Had to do with that warm front that pulled up through and the cool front pulling through now. West winds won't be overly strong, but are enough to hold those temperatures down a little more. It's a gradual trend today, tomorrow, Wednesday, that we'll be getting and staying a little bit cooler. That's still cooler than normal at this time of the year. Let's talk about Monday morning when we should be seeing normal highs that are about 51 degrees. We're just not going to be there. That cooler pattern is what we have to look at for the rest of the week. So let's look at how it should pay out. Like I'm saying today, of course, that cool front moving through, a little precipitation could linger around for a few hours, hasn't amounted to a whole lot, and just isn't going to be that much different. Then we get a little break, some clearing. Even yet later this afternoon or over the nighttime, skies start to clear out. There'll be sunshine around with a cooler, much cooler than normal day in store for Tuesday. And there's some talk of yet another Alberta Clipper-type low. As it drops southeast out of Canada, it will most likely mean the redevelopment development of clouds and on toward later Tuesday night or into Wednesday a bit of light snow a rain snow mix a possibility into Wednesday all of that activity should be done as we head toward midday even on Wednesday the temperatures moderate just a little ahead of that clipper but then that cooler air is reinforced and there it is right through the rest of the week right through next weekend a cooler than normal pattern continuing on no real big relief in sight with that air mass yes it will be drier here toward later the week. Certainly good news if you can get out in those fields now, and if the corn and beans have been drying down, maybe a better chance to get some harvest underway with a few days of dryness, say late Wednesday right on towards Saturday night or Sunday before the next chance then boils in, but we're really not going to be warming it up. That's the downside in the entire picture here. This cooler air mass that's settled in really appears to be sticking in. The upper level system nearby is the reason that cold air is in force and will be with us as we make our way even through the end of this week and into early next week. I'll have those forecast details right after this. No one works harder to help you achieve your goals. We know how challenging and rewarding farming and this way of life can be. You won't find financial experts with more ag knowledge and deeper rural roots. Your friends, family, and neighbors at Compere Financial have your back. So whether you're just starting out or on your way to building a legacy, we're here for you and wishing you a safe and bountiful harvest. Learn more at Compere.com. Trademarks of Compere Financial, an equal credit opportunity lender. In farming, getting things done early has a way of setting you up for success. Like using Corvus for an early season win over weeds. Corvus keeps even the toughest weeds from gaining a foothold. Multiple sites of action deliver superior control of emerged weeds. And later, Corvus reactivates with just a half inch of rain to take out any new weeds that may have sprouted. So get an early season win against weeds with Corvus for end of season rewards. Always read and follow label instructions. Corvus is a restricted use pesticide. Of course, this morning we'll have to talk about some scattered, very light rain or even a few snowflakes that could be around for a time. Mostly cloudy skies expected, though, later in the day as we dry out. Low and mid-40s, warmest in the south, I expect, today. West winds will be around 5 to 15. Overnight, partly cloudy. We cool it off again, back down to about 28. Those west winds will be at 5 to 15. A nice dry day on Tuesday. Sunshine, what a concept. That in itself helps to melt some snow. Mostly sunny upper 30s about the best we'll do on Tuesday. West winds will be around 5 to 10 and then late Tuesday night 
A little light snow developing into Wednesday. A slight chance of light snow or a few raindrops, that kind of activity. Not a big deal. Ending as we head toward the afternoon. Mostly cloudy. Upper 30s, almost 40 degrees Wednesday. Not too bad there. Southwest winds, at least early in the day, 5 to 10, become northwest. And then brighter and drier on toward the end of the week. That sounds like some great news. Although, yes, it's going to be cooler than normal. Daytime highs in the 30s or maybe near 40. That's the most we can can hope for for the rest of the week but it should stay dry and there ought to be some sunshine around on and off that should help to brighten things up and hopefully make our spirits a little bit brighter pan so we can look forward to i guess at least some kind of improvement here as we head on toward the end of the week very good thank you Stu. and we will work to try to stay away from some of those record-breaking numbers we appreciate it have a good day Stu mocker ag meteorologist with your weather details coming up after 5 30 how do you have to approach animal care When you're in the zoo, I mean, stop and think about it. We're used to taking care of cows and horses, pigs, cats and dogs. But what do you have to think differently about when it comes to a big lion? Uh, What about a rhinoceros? What about an elephant? Some of those animals obviously require some special care and handling. We're going to learn about it coming up after 530, courtesy of our friends from the UW School of Veterinary Medicine. It's 525. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. The value of your tractor is only as good as the dealer support it's backed by. And at Ziegler Ag Equipment, we're behind you every acre of the way. We don't just give you a product or a service. We give you our word, and we stand behind the brands we carry. Dependable brands like Fent, Challenger, Rogator, Interrogator, Massey Ferguson, and more. For information on all our products and service offerings, work with your Ziegler Ag sales rep or visit us online at Z-I-E-G-L-E-R-Ag.com to see our inventory of new and used machinery. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A Skincare Minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural-looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. Looking to remodel your bathroom? It shouldn't be like getting a root canal. Ganser is the answer with Bath Creations by Ganser Company. Give us 80 minutes for our 80 years to make a painless decision. We are proud to introduce Bath Creations by Ganser Company. Schedule your free in-home consultation or visit our beautiful showroom on the Beltline. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. Ganser, that's the answer. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. Have you heard the news? Ganser Company is your home for J.D. Power's top-ranked window and patio door manufacturer, Infinity from Marvin. You'll get 80 years of our experience to make an informed decision in 80 minutes. Schedule your free in-home consultation and get your home ready for the Wisconsin winter. Ganser has the answer. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. 
answer. That's the answer. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling, the shine and diamonds, but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days. They may have that traditional feel, that traditional customer service, but they also have the new modern looks of today. Stop in and take a look at their jewelry case. Talk to the staff. Find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create. Go online, goodmansjewelers.com. Someday, everyone will have an energy-efficient tankless water heater and an endless supply of hot water. Benjamin Plumbing is now an A-certified dealer of Renai Tankless Water Heaters, the number one selling tankless water heater in North America. Renai Tankless Water Heaters are up to 40% more efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot all day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Go tankless. Endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. This is the story of Daniel, who was born two months early. His lungs weren't ready. His heart wasn't ready. His parents could only hope that one day he would leave the hospital healthy, and they would all live happily ever after. Daniel's is just one of the more than 500,000 stories of babies born prematurely last year. You can help the March of Dimes stop premature birth and bring more babies home healthy. Learn how at marchofdimes.com. Working together for stronger, healthier babies. Well, Robbie, does, do you think Devontae Adams is going to play, and how big of a boost is that, even though if he's still suffering a little bit from that lingering turf toe? Evo, I, I, every week I get asked this by you or some <laughs> other places, and, and I keep saying no until, until they show me. I, I keep saying they're going to bring him back after the bye, just based on their history and conservative nature uh, of the training staff with various players. Um, you know, we had a chance to talk to Adams yesterday, and, you know, he did kind of say, I think the ball's in his court a little bit more than it's been in the past and what he can play and fight through. Um, and I, I think they've almost hit a point medically, guys, where there's not a whole lot more they can do for him. It's, it's a pain threshold. It's a pain tolerance thing. But I think they're also going to be, are, are we better off sitting you this game, sitting you the Carolina game, giving you the bye week, and then bringing you back for what? What would that be, week 12, I guess, when – I mean, potentially they could they could be ten and one, nine and two, something like that, still in the hunt for everything that they want to achieve and accomplish this year. And and now you're adding, in essence, a high first round draft pick who uh, who immediately can give you six, seven, eight catches a game. I I just I think they're going to be conservative, Ebo. Um, they they're going to keep saying game time decision, which they've said the last two or three weeks. And um, I guess I would be. 
I guess I would be surprised if, if he does play Ebo because I, I think they've got their eye on, on the big picture rather than just week nine. Yeah. And um, now if, if, if there's, if they've come to a decision though, Ebo medically where there's absolutely no difference in bringing him back in week nine or week 12, um, then, then sure, go ahead and play him, I guess. But, but if another three weeks of, of rest can really help him, and my guess is it will, um, then, I, then I think long-term you're better off keeping him sidelined another couple of games because you've now proven you can win without him. Visiting with our Packer insider, Rob Reichel, Forbes.com. So then the, the follow-up to the follow-up, Robbie, is trade deadline come and goes yesterday. Uh, Packers don't make a move. Uh, your, your final takeaway from that, I mean, the, the comeback, as Ebo and you just said, is, look, you're undefeated without Devontae Adams. Why would you have made a move? The comeback to that comeback is New England and San Francisco are both undefeated, and they went out and got significant wide receivers. What's your takeaway on the non-roster move yesterday by Green Bay? Yeah, um, I, I didn't like it, to be honest with you, Joe. I, I still think they're a piece or two away on defense. I, I think this offense, and we, we said it from from the start of the Matt LaFleur era, guys, that, that the offense would get better through the course of the year, and, and that's kind of coming to fruition. And, and that's even without Adams. You, you've seen them jump from 20 points a game roughly the first month to 33 the last month. I mean, they're, they're trending upward in a big way on offense. But, guys, you, you, you've seen it on defense. I mean, the defense kind of carried the day early in the year, but the teams are finding soft spots and weak spots. I think they could have used another defensive lineman, another inside linebacker. I don't think you would have had to break the bank. I mean, the guy I had circled was Derek Wolf, the defensive end in Denver, um, who I think would have been a major upgrade from Montrevious Adams. But, you know, at the end of the day, Brian Gutekun still, he learned from Ted Thompson. He's got a lot of Ted t- tendencies, and he wants to see Adams develop. It's, it's his guy. They, they want to see Montrevious Adams uh, become the player they believe and that, that he can be. And if they added a defensive end, let's say like Wolf out of Denver, who's a Super Bowl champion, he's got 25 career sacks, a really good football player, um, you know, a, a, you know a, a similar player to Dean Lowry, and but probably a slight bit better. So now you're talking, you know, Lowry, Wolf, Kenny Clark, and I, I think that front would have posed a lot more problems for people than the one they, they possess right now with, with Montrevious Adams. So I would have liked to see him do that, but – you know, again, that's I, I. You need two to dance, and you never know what Denver's asking in that situation. You, ne- you never know what anybody else around the league is is demanding for a certain player you might like. But, but guys, as, as you look ahead to the playoffs, San Francisco, New Orleans, both run the ball extremely well. They could play keep away from Rodgers uh, in a, in a playoff game, and and I think that could be problematic. I mean, Green Bay still giving up almost five yards of carry, guys, on the ground, and. You know, you're gonna you're gonna see this in a few weeks too when they go when they go up to Minnesota. Minnesota, I'm sure, learned some lessons in week two, coming to Green Bay, letting Cook run wild all day, and then at the end of the game when it mattered most, they made the foolish mistake of putting the ball in Cousins' hands. That won't happen again. They'll they'll hammer away all day with Cook, and you know, teams like that guys are gonna give Green Bay fits. And um, you know, I I think they needed to beef up their run defense a little bit. Um, and again, they, they probably could have done it guys for a mid round draft pick, but for whatever reason, it, it didn't happen. And, um, now they move forward seven and one, they don't, they don't have a lot to complain about. I mean, their warts and their needs guys compared to the average team in the league are very minimal. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Alrighty, 5.35 now on a Monday morning, fourth day of November on this date back in 2008. Barack Obama was elected president of the United States, 44th person 
in the Oval Office. He succeeded George W. Bush that had been elected twice. On this date in 1979, the Iran hostage crisis unfolded. I'm showing my age here. That lasted 444 days. A group of students took over the American embassy in Tehran and took 52 American hostages. One of the reasons why I remember this is because of a Wisconsin Marine that was held hostage. Remember the name Kevin Hermaning? Kevin Hermaning. One of the reasons I really remember it is he was my graduation commencement speaker, and now he is a resident of Oak Creek. Uh, That was a story that the nation watched back on this date, 1979. Like I said, I'm showing my age, and now you know. Well, we are talking a little bit more about this weather around Wisconsin. Come on, do we really need to see snow for the first week of November? Well, we're getting it. That brings up the question of climate change. Is this a part of the real weather we are going to live with in the future? Well, uh, that was a big conversation piece at World Dairy Expo 2019. One of our Wisconsin farm reporters, Caitlin Riley, had a chance to visit with Dr. Frank Mitliner. He is a professor at UC Davis, University of California, Davis, where he focuses in on climate change and agriculture's influence on climate change, specifically greenhouse gas emissions. Dr. Mitliner says agriculture, contrary to what many people want to believe, has made a strong commitment to reduce their carbon footprint. We have quantified what the impact of the dairy industry is on greenhouse gases, which lead to climate change, and it's about 2% of the total. It's not nothing, it's something, but I think we can agree it's, it's quite low. And the dairy sector has also promise to further reduce those emissions. Uh, nationwide, 25% to 5, 25%, and in a place like California, 40%. These emission reduction uh, promises are unprecedented. You will not find them in any other sector of society. Um, so, in my opinion, the dairy sector should own this, and they should say, yes, it's happening. Yes, we are part of it. We have quantified it through groundbreaking research. And uh, we have made pledges for further reductions. And this is more than anybody else in this country can say. Dr. Frank Mitliner from the University of California at Davis, focusing in on agriculture's impact on climate change with things like greenhouse gases and our carbon footprint. But like he said, agriculture has made a very strong commitment to turning things around, getting that carbon footprint as close to zero as possible, more than we can say for many areas of industry. Thank you, Caitlin Riley, for that excellent audio. It's 538. It's not surprising to any of my friends in farm country, this year has been a tough year, no matter what you grow or what you produce. Thank goodness we've got our buddies at McFarland's in the heart of Sauk City in our corner. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee reminding you that, you know, the staff at McFarland's have seen these challenging times before. They're ready to partner with you now to make it through the winter of 2018 into 2019. So when it comes to taking a look at your equipment, maybe there's something that's absolutely got to be upgraded, repaired, or refreshed. They can take care of you. And don't forget, McFarland's in that beautiful facility, 780 Carolina Street, can take care of it all under one roof. That's a weight off your shoulders. And they understand the difficult economic times. So if you're looking to try to replace a piece of equipment, they have a wealth of knowledge and a fantastic network. They'll go to the marketplace and try to find just what you need in the used category. Stop in. Visit with them today. They understand. McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City.
539 on the clock. It looks like we're going to wait to find out what happens with the state's livestock setting regulations. On Friday, Wisconsin Ag Secretary-designee Brad Paff said that the agency has decided not to bring ATCP51, those proposed updates to our livestock setting regulations, to the Department of Ag Board for a final vote. He said that they have heard from a lot of stakeholders across the state during their public hearings, and he's decided to take more time to continue these discussions. Now, remember, the livestock setting regulations are rules that set standards and procedures that local governments have to follow if they choose to require permits for new or expanding livestock operations. So we're not sure when we are going to get uh, another look at those uh, proposed revisions. But again, the stakeholders have been very verbal in the process. Friday in Chicago, markets finished mixed. Now, there was a news story in Reuters over the weekend that said there's new hope. We may see some of those uh, tariffs go away just to get things started as far as our export numbers to China. December corn was down three quarters of a cent at 389 and a quarter. March corn was down a quarter, 398 and a half. The soybeans for November gained seven and a half cents at 924 and a quarter, with the January new crop up four and a half at 936 and three quarters. December wheat up seven and a quarter on Friday at 516, with July new crop up seven and three quarter cents to 531 a bushel. The December milk was up 23 cents at 1970. January up 24 on Friday at 1811 a hundredweight. We'll take a quick break. Back with a look at how a veterinarian can be something we know with cows, horses, and pigs. But what about elephants? That's next. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. In baseball, these are the moments that bring us to our feet. But the most important moment happens when we all stand together. United for a great cause. We once again join our partners Stand Up to Cancer in reaffirming a commitment to the fight against cancer. Since 2008, Major League Baseball, its fans, players, and coaches have delivered a powerful, determined message that we, together, will defeat cancer. I'm Matt Damon. I'm Candace Patton. Joe Manganiello. Jordana Brewster. Zachary Levi. I'm Uzo Aduba. Cancer has in some way touched all of us. So join Major League Baseball and Stand Up to Cancer as we stand in honor of all loved ones affected by this disease. Visit standuptocancer.org slash MLB. Stand up with us. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. Looking to remodel your bathroom? Ganser is the answer with Bath Creations by Ganser Company. We know you're busy. Give us 80 minutes for our 80 years to make a smart decision on your bath remodel. We are proud to introduce Bath Creations by Ganser Company. Schedule your free in-home consultation or visit our beautiful showroom on the Beltline. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. Ganser, that's the answer. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. Have you heard the news? Ganser Company is your home for J.D. Power's top-ranked window and patio door manufacturer, Infinity from Marvin. You'll get 80 years of our experience to make an informed decision in 80 minutes. Schedule your free in-home consultation and get your home ready for the Wisconsin winter. Ganser has the answer. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. Ganser, that's the answer. 
she knows a hay bale makes a perfectly comfortable seat. It's time for the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Well, as we roll towards 6 o'clock on a Monday morning, I want to congratulate the University of Wisconsin School of Veterinary Medicine. You know, we've been working with them uh, for about the past year in an effort to make sure people understand what a world-class facility that is on the UW campus, but not only how it serves South Central Wisconsin, but how it serves agriculture across the state. I am happy to say that they have reached their funding goal and they will begin commencing in 2020 a major remodel of that facility that's not seen a remodel since uh, back in the 70s. So congratulations on that. Our final conversation with UW School of Veterinary Medicine hopefully will broaden your perspective on just exactly how well they serve the animal population, the people population here in the state. Our own Josh Scrambling got a chance to do a little bit of research into not just cows and pigs and how our veterinarians take care of animals, but what about zoo animals? Josh? When you're on a Wisconsin farm, it's pretty common to hear this sound. Or this sound. Or even this sound. And Wisconsin farmers know exactly how to care for the animals that make those sounds. And it's almost second nature for farmers to know what these animals need to eat, how to treat them when they're sick, and what their living area should look like. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. And do you know what it would take to care for an animal that makes this sound? Or maybe even this sound? What about this? I was curious to know how different or similar exotic animal care was compared to farm animal care. And to get my questions answered, I got a hold of... Kurt Sladke. I'm a clinical professor of veterinary medicine at the School of Veterinary Medicine, University of Wisconsin, and I'm also the head of the Zoological Medicine Service. Dr. Sladke, thanks for your time. And what zoos have you worked at before? So I did my residency training at the North Carolina Zoo and North Carolina State University. Um, and then I stayed on at the North Carolina Zoo as, a, as an associate vet. And then since coming back here as a professor at the vet school, I've spent most of my time working with exotic pets, not so much not so much zoo animals, but my residents train at the Milwaukee Zoo. And then we've just started working with the Henry Vollis Zoo in Madison. So we've actually taken over their veterinary care as of March 2019. I just wanted to do some comparisons between farm animals and exotic animals or zoo animals or however you would like to refer to them. A lot of farmers know what it takes to take care of animals such as cows or chickens or horses or sheep or ducks, whatever farm animal you can think of. I just wanted to know, for example, what if we took an elephant and then we took a cow? What does the daily diet look like of an animal such as an elephant? So a cow is a ruminant and an elephant is not a ruminant. So there's a, a difference there. Elephants are, whereas cows are kind of grazers, elephants would be classified more like as browsers. So they're, they're eating, they're up in acacia trees in Africa, or depending on where they are, if they're Asian elephants, um, they're up in trees and eating a lot of leaves and roughage, a lot of, a lot of probably more coarse material, like tree bark, shrubs, that sort of thing, thorny branches. Um, so much more... I would say much more roughage than your typical cow would be eating. Mm-hmm. Elephants, um, you know, they have a simpler stomach than the four stomachs of a of a cow. So, but they but they still eat a lot of very coarse material, and actually their poop is very coarse. It's like balls of you know you can literally see tree tree bark in their in their balls of dung. 
Okay, so we're I'm I'm not going to let you off the hook for poop just yet because we're going to come back to poop. But first, okay. I, I want to know what are some of the more unique habitat requirements because obviously there's animals that are coming from the Arctic or the rainforest. Ones that come to mind are a penguin or an anaconda would require a unique habitat. Do you know what some of the animals uh, would be that requ- would require something different? So most zoos try to look at the natural history of the animal and try to mimic the best they can. Obviously, we can't recreate the exact habitat temperature-wise. I mean, some polar bears live in the southern United States. You know, that may require chilling the water, uh, you know, having a much more sophisticated setup to be able to chill the water cold enough, um, providing them big ice cubes to kind of cool them down. Whereas a giraffe in Manitoba, Canada, might not be able to be outside very much of the year because it's so it's too cold for a giraffe. So you have to kind of keep all of those things in mind. Some species, like elephants, tend to destroy their their zoo habitat. Right? If you plant trees, they're going to uproot the trees. They're going to eat the trees. If you um, have a lot of other shrubs, they'll probably pull them up. So so when you go to a zoo and you see an elephant outdoor enclosure, sometimes it looks pretty barren. Well. No matter what zoos do to try to enrich the environment, elephants are pretty can be pretty destructive to that environment. And plus, in the zoo, you know, there's not a lot of stimulation, so they're looking for things like new trees to pull up um, if somebody plants something. Yeah, in terms of these heavier animals, like say a giraffe or an elephant, we also have to worry about the flooring, the substrate, you know, what they're walking on, because they can have so many significant foot problems leg problems because of the weight you know you can't keep them on concrete all the time they're going to get arthritis they're going to get foot lesions it's not that different in some sense than cows if you keep cows on on certain substrates all the time or in too much mud they they develop a lot of foot problems too these heavy animals these big charismatic animals that weigh a lot we have to really think about how we can prevent some of these kind of chronic problems that might crop up if they're maintained on certain substrates or if they're if they're a warm weather animal and they're kept in in northern Canada at a zoo and they can't go out. Well, what does that mean for that animal? That animal's inside 75 percent of the year. It might be standing on concrete. It might not get natural sunlight there. So there are a lot of those sort of environmental husbandry issues that have to be taken into consideration. And going off of that, what are some of the exotic animals that you would say require the most care on a daily basis? I would say that some of the great apes require a lot of keeper uh, vigilance and maintenance because they're, you know, basically the great apes like gorillas, chimpanzees are very closely related to us, but they require very specific diets so they don't get obese. They develop a lot of the same chronic health problems that humans do. So, for example, old male gorillas and old female gorillas develop heart disease that is very similar to humans. So, if you don't pay attention to the fat in the diet and the cholesterol in the diet, you can actually create obese chimpanzees, obese gorillas that develop classic sort of symptoms of of what we would call heart disease, and many of them end up having a heart attack and and dying from it. So a lot of thought has to be put into, for great apes, into diet, into environmental enrichment. I mean, it's basically like putting us in a captive environment. Um, You need to be able to alter their environment to provide stimulation. So hide little food items out in the outside enclosure, hide them in little logs, you know, 
give them toys, do whatever you can to stimulate them because they tend to get bored. They also are fairly destructive to their to their enclosures, so you got to be careful materials you put in there for their environment uh, or or even you know you don't there are certain plants that are toxic you don't want to put those toxic plants and that would be true of a lot of zoo animals you don't want to you want to make sure that you don't provide toxic plants to some of these animals and you have to kind of know what which and which plants are toxic to which species so great apes require a lot of just a lot of vigilance now my next question is there's there's animals that are dangerous to an extent on farms. I mean, people can get injured by horses. Uh, if a cow steps on your foot, it's probably going to hurt. But there aren't any animals that could kill you. Kill you, correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that, that's what I was trying to say. Um, so how difficult is it to take care of an animal that you can't physically be in the cage with, such as the larger cats like lions or tigers? That's another. The, the large cats, the large bears, just the morning shifting of them. From in indoor, from their indoor nighttime enclosure to the outdoor, generally most zoos nowadays have two or three people doing it together so that nobody makes a mistake. Because if one one little mistake and the cat or the bear is out, and that's you know that could be a deadly situation. You know you can't you can never really let your guard down. You have to always you know you can't have a, a sleepy morning and forget something when you're. Um, working in the zoo, and this would be mostly for for the keepers of these animals. And obviously, you don't go into an enclosure with an elephant anymore. You, most zoos have some kind of protected contact, which means there is some kind of a large metal barrier between you and that animal. Because elephants are super smart, and they are unpredictable, especially African elephants, but they're very unpredictable in a zoo situation. And so you got to be really careful. Or rhinos, we do a lot of work at zoos to try to train these animals so that we can give them vaccines by hand. We don't have to, we're trying not to dart them as much or poke them with pole syringes as much, but, you know, we're trying to train them. We target them and train them and, and reinforce them with food treats to try to get them to stand close to us so we can get hand injections. And that's, that's all part of the vet, vet program too. Zoo medicine in for vets is very different than any other kind of vet medicine because we can never get our hands on our animals first. We have to anesthetize them and then do our exam because we can't get in the in the cage with them, listen to their heart and lungs, and then decide they're he- we think they're healthy enough to go through an anesthetic event. Instead, we have to anesthetize them just to get our hands on them. So it's very, zoo medicine is so different than other parts of veterinary medicine. Um, and that that's all part of it, the danger of being close to an animal means that we have to immobilize them in some way before we can get close. I told you that we were going to go back to poop. I have got to ask you, because on farms, it's obvious that the larger the animal, the larger the feces. Which zoo animals or exotic animals produce the largest amount of poop in terms of size and or amount? Elephants. An elephant probably poops on average 300 pounds a day. They probably eat Eight to 1,200 pounds a day of food. Giraffes, you'd think, would produce a lot of poop. They, they produce around five pounds a day. So as you can see, that's a big difference. Um, giraffe poop is very different. You know, elephant poop are big balls, big dung balls. Giraffes produce more pelleted, pelleted-like uh, feces. But they probably eat about 75 pounds a day. 
giraffes and produce about five pounds of poop a day. So elephants are the winners by far. Definitely good to know. Thank